When learning data science and machine learning techniques, you need to work with a data set. Matt Harrison had a great idea. Why not use your own Twitter analytics data? So he did that with his own data. And he shares what he learned in this episode, including some of his secrets to gaining followers. Welcome to Testing Code. Today on Testing Code, I'm thrilled again to have Matt Harrison. So uh, welcome, Matt. Thanks. Happy to be here. So Matt Harrison's been on the show before. I'm just looking it up in, Janu- in January of 2019. Wow, that was a long time ago. Episode 63, we talked to Matt about uh, corporate training. Uh, for Python. And then in near the end of 2020, we talked to him in one, episode 137. Oh, you, you interviewed me uh, for your book because you, you're having a, you have a book authoring course, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, that's cool. So you do a lot. So you, um, you blog, you tweet, you train people in person and remote and write books and you're, you're kind of doing a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, trying to stay busy. And one of the courses that you had is Applied Panda's Twitter Analytics. Tell me about this course. Yeah. So while I was doing the authoring course, I interviewed like more than a dozen authors and just talked to them about their experience authoring. Some went the published route, some went the self-published route, some went self-published on Amazon, some went self-published with like Gumroad. And so it was really cool to understand how different people are authoring and how that works out for them. And a couple of the people that I interviewed claimed that they made most of their sales through Twitter, which I found to be a little bit interesting in that the typical advice that you'll hear from self-published authors or people hustling doing their own thing is that everything is in the mailing list, right? Because if you own the emails, then you have access to the customers and you can't get shut down. However, Twitter, and we know that people can get shut down from Twitter for various reasons. However, Twitter is a place where you can reach a bunch of people and it's pretty easy. And these authors demonstrated that they can make a good bit of money from just their Twitter audience. So as someone who, like you said, I do a lot of things. I I spend most of my time doing corporate training, but I, I, I do have books that I've written and I have courses that I sell as well. I like to say that I sell snake oil and tell people how to tell lies with data. Um, (laughs) Like I, I literally teach people how to use Panda Python, which I, I call snake oil. But um, so I, I thought, okay, maybe I should look into Twitter a little bit more. And I've been on Twitter for many years. I mean, I think I, I, the first time I joined Twitter was I think back, I think I joined around 2006, 2007, because I was at PyCon. And one of the talks at PyCon had like a live Twitter stream and that you had to yeah. submit questions through Twitter. So I'm like, 
okay, I guess I'll join this social media platform, Twitter. That that was the impetus for me joining Twitter. And I've just sort of tweeted randomly and, and it's been great to interact. I th- I think for people in who are listening to this, just in general, if, if you're not on Twitter, I think it's a great place to get side channel information about micro niches or even macro niches. So the Python community tends to be pretty good. I mean, you I think you have an example of this just the other day. You tweeted a question and got great feedback. I'm trying to remember what your question was, but I, I, I remember you asked a question and a bunch of people are giving you feedback. Yeah, that. and that's and that's one of the the neat things about the network effect. So you can um you can like for instance people this is one of my favorites and I I don't remember the question right off the top of my head either. But somebody asked me a question. I didn't know the answer, but I have more followers than them and I thought that the question was interesting, so I uh rephrased phrased the question a little bit and posed it to the people that follow me. And then a lot of people gave answers. And I thought that was great to just hear, um, yeah, it, it get get a community to answer. There is a, a strong Python community on Twitter. And uh, I mean, you can kind of find what you want on Twitter. Uh, so I, I think that's great. So, so my, the take of this course was, okay, I've been on Twitter for a while. What does it mean to take Twitter seriously? And what I did was I actually took a couple courses on Twitter. Actually, one of the people who, who I interviewed for a book had a course. And I took that course and I took another course on Twitter, just talking about how people use Twitter and people who claim that they had whatever success with Twitter. And success is one metric for success is, is your follower count. So why is follower count important? I think that's probably a question a lot of people might ask. And here's my answer to that. My answer to that is if you look at graph theory, as you add more nodes to the network, uh, you the graph grows a lot faster. And so if you have more people who are connected to you, you can get a, a lot more signal. Like you said, with this person who asked you a question, and I've done this as well, right? And that, I think that's sort of the idea behind retweeting or whatnot. You know, if someone asks a question, they've got 10 followers, they might not get any responses, right? But if someone has a thousand followers or 10,000 followers, they're going to get probably better responses. And when people respond to them, uh, other people are going to see them. And, and so this was really brought home to me when I started looking at my Twitter data. And the, my biggest tweet at that point was a tweet that was a response to someone who had half a million followers. Mm-hmm. And this, this just, and, and I think the question, it was by James Clear, who wrote, I believe, um, what did he write? The, the Habits book, um, Atomic Habits, I believe. Oh, yeah, great book. Yeah. And, and so his, his tweet was like, what's the best expense, like less than $100 or something that you made, or what's the best expense that you've done during COVID? And so I just posted a picture of my desk. And, and because I, when COVID hit, a lot of my live training stopped. And so I'm like, okay, I got to double down on this virtual stuff. And so I dropped a chunk of change into getting, you know, an SLR camera to use as a webcam and a teleprompter and uh, lighting and all of that. And so I just posted a picture of my, my uh, desktop. And I think I got... 
50,000 views on that picture. And, wow. and to me, that was like, well, this is crazy, right? I, I think m the next highest tweet I had after that was like maybe eight or 10,000 views, right? So was that the most valuable tweet ever? Mm. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. Right. But, but it, it just brought to me that it just really made the point that like, Hey, if you want to boost your signal, one way to do that, well, one way to do that, I would say is to write good responses that get attention to people who have a lot of followers. But the other way is to have a lot of followers yourself. So, um, one thing led to another and I, I started analyzing my data and and so then i made this course that was like okay so if i was if i was going to do a consulting gig for you and you asked me to like do some analysis of your data um something similar to what i do in this twitter course would be something that i would do for most of my clients but this i thought you know a lot of people have twitter data this is a great excuse to look at your twitter data analyze how you tweet but also learn some pandas in the process so that's that's the impetus behind that course there Thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring this episode. I've been noticing lately how much I use PyCharm run configurations. Run configurations are a way to run something from within PyCharm and see the output. The obvious use cases are to run a Python file or run PyTest against a file, test, or directory. Of course, I use the run configurations for PyTest all the time, but I also use it for a whole bunch of other things, from running PyTest and talks to running a dev server to rebuilding Docker images, PyCharm's run commands save tons of time and save me from having one more shell window open on my desktop. So thanks, PyCharm. Try PyCharm Pro for four months for free by going to testandcode.com slash PyCharm. Okay, so where do you get the data? Is that something that anybody can access, their own data? Uh-huh, yeah, if you go to... Um Twitter analytics. So I'll describe this on on here. Obviously, most people are listening to this. But if, if you go to like your Twitter account, um, on the left hand side, there's a dot dot dot, uh, a more symbol there. And if you click on that, there is an analytics uh, menu option that pops up. How and have I not ever known this was here? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> If you don't geek out on that, you, you don't find it, right? And so if, if you go there, there's just like a summary that has, you know, over the last 28 days, this is your summary over the last 28 days. But um, what you can do is you can um, click on, where is it? The tweets. So at, at the top of analytics, there's home tweets and more currently. As we're speaking in in 2021, uh, summer 2021, that's what the menu looks like. And in the upper right of that, there is this tweet activity uh, drop down that says last 28 days. And there's an export data that you can export data by tweet and by day. And huh. and so right there, you can basically get a CSV file with your tweet information. Now, just for those who are trying this at home. Um, I've found that this is a little bit flaky um, in that like you sometimes click to download and it, you think it's downloading and sometimes doesn't download or, or haven't found it to download. My, my, 
my my advice would be to if you're downloading the data there break it into one month chunks don't try and say i want to download the past 10 years of data because i don't <laughs> know that it, it will uh respond if you do that oh and the, then if you look at yeah so there's like a last last 28 days or whatever and then yeah you can't do months it does like yeah. So if you, if you click on that, there's a little drop down. You can get the, the, the calendar days. I, I, my advice, my experience has been, I've, it's been most robust when I just do one month at a time. And then I just, <laughs> I export the by tweet data. Okay. So, yeah. So there's by day and by tweet. Okay. Yeah. And so if, if you do that, you'll get a CSV, comma separated value file. And in that, it will have like, here's your Twitter link. Here's the text of the Twitter. Here's uh, how many views it had. And then it has these other interaction stats as well. Like, here's how many people clicked on your profile because of that. Here's how many people clicked on the link in there. Here's how many people clicked on the image. Uh, so so. For someone who's like a data scientist, this is a pretty good data set for starting to understand uh, how your tweets performed, right? Because it has interaction with the individual tweets. And uh, one thing that I learned from taking these other courses is that like, if you want people to whatever follow you, then uh, a lot of people will follow you if they click on it, if the tweet forces them to click on your profile, right? So if you, if they're interested, if your tweet causes them to say, oh, maybe I should like look at the profile of this person, right? And then from the profile, you get a click on the follow. Do you, that data is there? Um, yeah, it says <laughs> basically like how many people. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that. I, um, uh, um, let, me, let me pull it up really quick here. Um, I mean, it's got like how many people went to your, I, I think they clicked on your follow on your on your follower but i don't know if it has people followed you directly from the tweet i don't remember let me oh, i'm me pulling up pull i'm up. pulling up some of mine okay Let's see what it's got pull it up here as well oh user profile clicks yeah so you have those user profile clicks and presumably from that you can somewhat infer that some percentage of people who click on your profile will click on follow you <laughs> right and so the the higher that number uh, the more people you get to follow you. Okay. Yeah, because that's pretty important. So. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty important. And so, I, I mean, maybe I'll just describe the course a little bit more. So what the course does, is it goes through uh, some cleanup of the data, some exploratory data analysis of that, all using pandas and Jupyter and doing some visualizations of that. And then we wrap up with some machine learning. So. One thing I like to do when I get structured data like this is to do what's called principal component analysis, which is a nice little, well, it's called machine learning, but it, I mean, it sort of predates what the range of machine learning is. But the, the basic notion of principal component analysis is that you have a bunch of data in tabular form, and it tells you which features or columns um, are the most important for those. And then you can do a scatter plot with this. So I mean, I had probably 20 columns or something, and then you can scatter plot this in two dimensions, and it basically uh, throws all this data in two dimensions. But you can tell that along one axis is like how much interaction you get with your tw tweets, and another one, it might be like um, what type of tweets they are. And so you can do kind of like a magic quadrant, like a Gartner magic quadrant, doing something like principal component analysis, where you say like, 
you know, if I'm in the lower left-hand corner, then I have tweets that, uh, you know, maybe a lot of people didn't look at, and maybe they were pretty simple tweets. And then if I go to the right-hand side, I have more people looking at them. And then I have like the more people who are looking at like simple tweets. And then up high, I have the more people who are looking at complex tweets, something like that. And so it allows you to pretty, uh, not always, but a lot of times uh, come up with some insights into what kind, of, what kind of tweets are similar to each other because it will plot similar tweets next to each other in this uh, principal component 2D plot. And then another thing I like to do is clustering, which again, is not really, I mean, it, it's classified as machine learning, but the clustering stuff is, is like, you know, from the 70s or whatnot. Um, but basically, you're taking the tweets that are similar and then uh, putting them all together. And so you can apply some techniques to determine how many clusters there are. And I think I had like seven or so different clusters of tweet types that I had. And then you can dive into those clusters. And it's like, oh, this these are clusters that are high performing. These are clusters that are responses. These are clusters that are responses and no one, uh, you know, are bad performing. And so the idea with the clustering there is say, I want to find out what uh, my best performing tweets look like. Look at that cluster. And then maybe I want to focus my tweeting attention on making tweets similar to that, right? And so if you try different styles of tweeting, I mean, one thing that's pretty popular these days is like a thread where you're like, oh, I'm going to deep dive into this as much as you can deep dive into something in Twitter. Uh, rather than having a single tweet, you'll say this is a thread, and then you'll have like 10 tweets responding to that. And so, it, you know, if you start experimenting with these, you can see whether these thread type tweets are just your simple like snarky response tweets or your tweets that have polls in them or tweets that are questions, which types of tweets your audience uh, resonates more with and uh, which, which type of tweets you should probably be using more if you want to have better interaction with your audience. Yeah. And I'm thinking also just not, I mean, so both of us are people that like to teach other people. So I'm using Twitter not just to reach people or try to sell them or anything, or just, I just also want to help the community. Mm -hmm. So this, these search analytics can also just help see where you're, you know, where you're, why waste your time on stuff that people are ignoring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes you might think, oh, this is an awesome tweet you spent. I mean, sometimes like writing a tweet as much as like 280 characters is nothing. Writing a tweet can take a long time. I mean, I so I tend to be, I guess, someone who paints my own bike shed or whatever. I actually wrote a program to so that I can write tweets in this Markdown-esque type markup language. And then if I want to embed code snippets in there, it will take the code and then it will actually use pillow and make a screenshot of the code in there and I can embed images in there and then I can do threading in there and respond to other tweets. So I wrote a program to do this so I can, you know, have different tweets and do like grammar checking on those. Um, so, so that's incredible. I, mean, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, but, but the point is, is like you can spend a lot of time like going through and making a tweet, right. And thinking, Oh, this is the awesomest tweet ever. And then you look at the stats of the tweet. It's like, you know what? People liked your tweet that said, "What? How do you use PyTest? What are your best recommendations for PyTest?" Right, which it, yeah. it takes ten seconds to write rather than you know a half hour to to like think of and like make sure that threads are all working and all that. And you get better interaction with with like the question, 
what what are your best recommendations for using PyTest? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you you have uh, so you take you did all this analytics, you did did your the course around it, but then you applied it to your own Twitter account, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you and uh, you tweeted uh, in um, let's see on May ten. Uh, I just looked it up this morning. You posted, um, hey, at the beginning of the year, I had six thousand followers. I just passed ten thousand, and when I look today, you're over twenty four. Yeah. So um, uh, that's pretty impressive. So congrats, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It turns out that with you know a couple hundred bucks, you can buy some robots, and you can get a lot of followers. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna actually ask that. I was kind of thinking. So how much did it cost in uh, robot uh, followers? Uh, but... Yeah, it's bit. It's all Bitcoin. No. Um, <laughs> No, uh, to, so to be serious, I mean, I, I believe most of these people are real people who are following me, and I have made an an explicit attempt to get more followers, right? Because just that idea of um, network effects, right? And yeah. and so I I I think I share some pretty good content, and um, I have resources that I think a lot of people want access to, and. So why why not spread that? And there are a lot of people who are interested in, in the things I'm interested in. I mean, mainly I use my Twitter for Python and data science stuff. I don't tweet necessarily a lot of like personal stuff per se. But uh, yeah, so in the past two weeks, I believe my, I'm looking at my stats right now and I've gained um, almost 12,000 followers in the last two weeks, which... It's a lot of followers because uh, I've got 24,000 right now. So basically, I've doubled in the last two weeks here. Um, and so uh, it it was not with nefarious purposes. It was not like paying people to follow me. Um, th- this is another thing that I, I came away with. Well, here, let, me, let me give some, some, some Twitter advice, and then I'll talk about my specific attempt here. So I think there's the Pablo Picasso quote, um, good artists co- copy, great artists steal or something like that, yeah. something around, along those lines. But I, I mean, you'll see similar stuff in Twitter, right? Tell me how old you are without telling me how old you are, right? Tell me how long you've been using computers without telling me how, what year it is, yeah. um, you know, sort of Twitter memes, right? And so one thing that you can do is i mean just look at those things that are popular and and say okay i'm going to apply that right and and maybe maybe that meme you know maybe a lot of people are seeing that particular tweet and maybe they're in your network that day so maybe you want to like just sort of jot that down as a note and say okay maybe in a week i'll like do my own version of that right so i i think that is one thing that you can do is is look at tweet styles that are successful and then build on those. And like I said, some of the courses that I took sort of walk through some of these tweet styles and some, some of the courses that I went through were like, okay, if your tweet takes up more vertical space, people are going to see it. And so people will like it more because they're seeing it more. And, and so I actually like part of my an- analytics was that I went through that process. I actually counted like Number of characters in my tweet, number of new lines in my tweet, basically is a proxy for vertical space there. 
and looked at to see if they're with my tweets, if there is better interaction, if my tweets were longer, yeah. if, if I spaced them out more, people like people like breathing room in their tweets. So if you have breathing room, people will, will interact with them better. I actually didn't see that with my tweets. So maybe people don't care about that. And it might be somewhat uh, Twitter independent. But um, so, yeah, it, I, I guess the point there is that it, um, it's hard. It's hard to predict something that will go viral, right? And and so just because someone, you know, you see someone's tweet that went viral or got a lot of hits and it had white space in it and lots of lines does not necessarily mean that you just adding white space into your tweets or emojis. I, I also looked at emojis, right? That's a feature that I use when I did my machine learning and, and analysis to see whether emojis make uh, my tweets better. And you, you'll see that I do use a bunch of emojis in my tweets, but my analysis is also that the emojis don't really have an impact as to whether uh, interactions better with my tweets. So do you, any idea if the, if threads are read more, if there's the thread emoji? <laughs> the, uh, yeah. I, threads are sort of hit and miss as well. Right. Um, it, I, I've found that sometimes threads can be good, but a lot of times, like I mean, going back to that, like you, said, I, I've, I spend a lot of time composing these threads, and it's like, ah, didn't really resonate with some people. Okay. But, but here, here's another thing. Another thing is like, you have to realize that anytime you tweet, like due to how Twitter works, like it's not guaranteed that everyone who's following you is going to see your tweets, right? Yeah. And so another thing that I've been doing with with some of these like remember i talked about that program that i made i'll actually um some of these tweets that take me a long time I, they're like more masterpieces right rather than like just stroke of genius here where it's like uh, yeah i spent like half hour or an hour like writing out this thread and putting all these examples in it um well i have a program that i can you know i i can repost that right and and so yeah. That's one thing that you can do is repost your content, and a lot of times people won't see it, and so it's not particularly. I, I don't think it's necessarily bad content to bad to repost it, especially if you think it's relevant to your audience. And a, a lot of times, uh, it will hit different people or, or might have a different impact. Yeah, I, for, as an example, um, so I for this podcast, I. Um... I often announce stuff, but I'm also often working late at night and I'll post it like at midnight or something uh, that it goes live. And I know there's people in Europe that are already up that that'll see it. So I, I go ahead and um, uh, I'll tweet it out. But well, a bunch of people in America are asleep. So I'll wait at eight in the morning the next day. I'll re repost that uh, notification. For instance. Yeah. And, and I think that works. I, I mean, one of the courses I took literally said, if you post at three in the morning, I think my time, so like two in the morning, your time, I'm in Utah. So three in the morning, my time, that's the optimal time to post on Twitter. So I, I actually, one of the features that I added to my, my Twitter data set was time of day when I'm posting, right? And I, I don't think I actually had any tweets from three in the morning unless I was traveling and happened to be like on the other side of the globe, typically asleep at that time. So maybe, maybe I'm missing out on that. But I, with my Twitter data set, did not see a spike 
on time of day, right? And, okay. And so I three a.m. Why? I don't, I don't even understand. What is that? How does that make sense? Well, because of Europe, or yeah, the idea there, there, that what they claimed was that um, basically you're going to catch Europe as it wakes up, and then Europe's going to like kick it off, and then it's going to be popular by the time that U.S. wakes up, and then it will sort of flow through to Asia after that, and so it will sort of be this you know sort of like doing the wave at some sporting event right <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, my my analysis did not prove that to be correct okay. with my data set but again um well, when i ran my data set i also had a lot less followers than i have now so maybe maybe if i reran that i might see something a little bit different well and i like the idea of of continually checking this so every couple months you can do uh, a recheck to make sure that you're I mean, it's different. It's going to be different for everybody. So what's working for you today might not work for you two months from now, and it might change um, And because you have a different set of followers, um, whatever. So, Yeah, and, and that's in general, that's a problem with like uh, machine learning in general, that this, this notion of drift, where if you have some sort of model, you know, presumably your model works as well as it can or as well as you want it to, given your business considerations when you release it. But after that, it gets out of date, right? And and so one of the nice things about like the course is that there's a bunch of notebooks there. And basically, if you just reload your data, get your new data and run it through there, you can run the analysis again and see whether whether things are changing or not. That's cool. Well, yeah. let's, um. so... Uh... Oh, we got to talk about the secret sauce, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what worked? <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, like I said, at that point, uh, a couple months ago when I created my course, my most popular tweet was this tweet that was showing my desk, right? Um, as of, um, which had 50, 50,000 views. So as now you of, just tweet pictures of your desk now, right? <laughs> I, there have been quite a few pictures of my desk. Um, none of them, none of them have been that viral as that okay. one has. But uh, as of today, I'm looking at my stats right now. My my most popular tweet um, was uh, tweeted in this month, and it has over half a million views. And um, the tweet is a tweet that I've actually done a lot, and I, I've done it for the past four months. And it, it is basically a tweet that it says, "I'll, I'll just read it." Um, it says hi, and then it has an emoji waving. If you're interested in colon Python with a Python emoji, data science, I think with a wizard hat emoji, and career advice with a hammer, follow me with a check mark after it. I'm planning on using Twitter to share a lot of content that you won't want to miss with a little um, party buzzer or something after that emoji. So that that's my t Twitter tweet. And that that one, I, I believe I tweeted a little over a week ago, and it basically went the rounds and um, has over half a million views. Like I said, this tweet is not original. Um, my I have this program, and uh, I, I originally tweeted this, I believe, in February. And when I tweeted it in February, I think I got... Um, I can, actually, I can look at my, my stats here. I have my stats pulled up here. Okay. So in January, I had 98 followers that were new followers. That was sort of when I started saying, okay, I'm going to start taking Twitter seriously. My course had just come out. And so I was going to start taking it seriously. The first time I tweeted this was in February, and I got around 500 followers from that. And I'm like, wow, 
this is crazy, right? I mean, I had 600 followers at that point, 6,000 followers at that point. And so I'm like, like 10% increase for, for doing that tweet. Um, the next time in March, I just figured, oh, let's just tweet it again in March. I'm like, probably won't get as much, but I'll, I'll try it again. And I got like 900 followers. I'm like, okay, that's pretty <laughs> crazy. Um, go to uh, April. I'm like, well, can it hurt? Um, I got 1,500 followers in April. Okay. Uh, uh, May, uh, I got 3,000 followers in May. And then uh, last month, I got, um, I mean, the, the, so I've get basically gotten like almost 12,000 followers this month from, from tweeting that. So the growth of that has not been linear. It's sort of been crazy doing that. And I, I, again, I think that goes back to this, this network effects, right? Where um, I think the people, people are liking what I'm tweeting. I mean, I'm not just, it's not just empty content. I, I try and share super relevant Python advice and data science advice. And I think the people who appreciate that are liking that and retweeting that. And so I think I got 400 retweets on that and 4,000 likes, which which for me is is pretty good. But okay, uh, on the flip side, you're not looking at this and going, "Hey, I'm getting a whole bunch of followers, so I'll tweet it every day," um, because that would be annoying. Uh, so um, thinking about like the I don't know who did it the the uh, what left 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 right jab sort of thing mm-hmm. is um um you're not selling all the time or and even this it's not really selling but it's like hey uh please follow me sort of thing um you're not spamming that all the time once a month seems completely reasonable but if i was following somebody like let's uh, an example is threads like some people have had success with threads and i've actually followed people because i've found an interesting thread that taught me a lot but Mm -hmm. then i noticed that every day they're posting like these huge long threads and sometimes that's kind of gets annoying and I, what's annoying depends on the person, of course, but I like that you're not, you're not just bombarding people with this like every day. Yeah. What I try and do is I try and before this tweet and after this tweet, I try and actually provide some, a tweet that has pretty good advice in it. Right. And so what's going to happen presumably is that the person who sees this is going to click on my profile. They're going to look at my recent tweet and they're going to say, Oh yeah, he's not just lying here. I mean, I, like I said, I don't, if you look at my tweets, most, most of them that aren't replies are pretty focused on Python and data science. Right. Um, and, And so they're going to look at those and they're going to see, Oh yeah, there's, there's tweets here that are relevant that are exactly what he's talking about here. And so I, I think that's relevant. I think another thing too, Brian, is, is again, one of the courses that I, I took here, which was talking about reusing your content. And it was like, you know, I, the, the advice went something like this, you know, if, if you can't remember the last time you tweeted it, um, feel free to tweet it again, right? Like if if you tweeted it yesterday, yeah, don't don't tweet it again, right? But if you can't remember the last time you tweeted it, tweet it again because like I said, it's probably pretty likely that most of your followers didn't see it anyway, just yeah. due to how Twitter works. So it can't really hurt. But yeah. yeah. 
I, I, you know, if I was constantly spamming this and this was my only tweet, yeah, that'd be pretty annoying. I, I, I would probably unfollow myself too. <laughs> but, I try to use the same advice for jokes and not tell a joke again to my family if I can't, if I, <laughs> if I remember the last time, but I apparently don't have that good of a memory and they will remind me that I told it yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that works too. Well, speaking of that though, so this is you were thinking about. Um, so in the tech, uh, in the programming space of Twitter, these are like you're using the Twitter to communicate around Python and pandas, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but people also put personal stuff on there. Is there? Do you have a? Do you even if you don't have analytics around it, do you have advice around how much personal stuff to share, or if that's just a bad idea if you want to increase your followers or that's that's a great question um i mean my take on it is i mean i i think some people have i i think people here's here maybe here's how i'll summarize it i think people want to know that you're a real person right and i think people can connect with you if you have particular interests um but like my interests are like ultimate frisbee. I do a lot of like mountain biking, that sort of thing, which I could talk about. And I know that there are like tech people who like ultimate because I've met a lot of people who like ultimate, right? But that's that's a pretty small niche and would probably bore a lot of people. Similarly with mountain biking, like it, it's interesting. Like I like to go on rides, but like geeking out about that on Twitter. Um, I'd probably not too much, right? Maybe applying it to to teaching and learning, I think it is more interesting. So I, th- I think it's important to come off as a real human and not a robot. I think people like that. But I don't know. My personal take is is that like, at least for me, how I'm using Twitter, um, a lot of people who I'm following, I, I like to see the human side of them, but it's not. I'm not following them for the human side directly, if that makes sense. Okay, and the, one of the things you mentioned was like having people look at your profile because they'll probably look at your profile. They have to to follow you, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, looking at your profile once in a while and looking at what do people see um, when they look at that, and does that represent really who you are and, or what you want to represent? And if not, maybe take it out. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I both the courses that I took are like. You should probably look at your profile, right? Most people have pretty bad profiles or poor profiles, right? And this is going to be the first thing people see. And you should also look at your pinned tweet, right? Because the pinned tweet is something that you can control at the top here. So my pinned tweet is currently like the first, it's a thread. And the first one is announcing uh, when my machine learning pocket reference came out, which is now two years old. But, you know, it's an O'Reilly book. It's got an animal on the cover. So I think for a lot of people who are interested in what I tweet about, I think that's kind of like, oh, like there's kind of instant credibility there. This is an author. Uh, they have a book on machine learning with Python. M- maybe I should follow them, right? One more thing that I think is important in addition to your profile is, is sort of a call to action. And I guess this was the thing that my my secret tweet here is the thing that maybe impressed me the most is that. A lot of times we just assume that like, oh, I'm going to make great content and people will follow me. But um, it's amazing that like just saying like, hey, follow me, right? 
And like <laughs> having that call to action kind of makes all the difference, right? And and so that's just something that I'm going to be a, a little a little bit more aware of with with my yeah. intentional tweeting is like what is my call to action, right? And uh, um you know, if you if you just assume that people are going to follow you just because of whatever, I mean, they might, but uh, if and I've noticed this now that I've I've started like paying attention more to Twitter, but you you, you a lot a lot of the threads that you sort of talked about um, at the end of the thread will be like, hey, if you like this, share it and and follow me because I'm going to share more content like this, right? And and most of these people have have lots of followers because people were told to follow them. And so, yeah, interesting. Well, and you know, watching YouTube, I'm watching it like maybe a five minute YouTube video, a few seconds at the end, somebody saying, Hey, smash uh, the button, smash the button or whatever They, I assume they're doing, uh, doing that because it works and it's not too annoying to have that at the end. I actually kind of like the idea of doing that as a, as, as part of a thread because it's not totally in your face. If I'm that interested that I got to the end, why not? Yeah. Um, so, um, it, okay. So that was, that was one, we only talked about one successful tweet so far. Uh, uh-huh. any, any other, uh, winners or, or secret sauce that you want to share? I, I mean, to be honest, like that for getting followers, like saying that you're going to post about something and asking for me, that's what's worked. Right. Okay. Um, but let me talk about maybe some other patterns that I've seen that, um, have been good with my community. And that's, been i mean i've been sort of the mentality oh i'm gonna write these threads and they're gonna have all this like i just taught this class on python we had this great discussion in my class so i'm gonna take one of these discussions and distill it into a thread so i've done that a couple times and the results have been hit and miss i'm like oh i you know i spend an hour like composing this thread making the source code for it making the examples um and then i'll go off and do another tweet that's like Okay, uh, what is your advice on using PyTest, right? And it's yeah. it's just open ended, but somewhat specific and catered to my audience, right? Like, what's your best advice for doing that? And I've seen really good uh, interaction there, and yeah. and a lot of value, right? Because um, I think uh, you're going to get different points of view, and I found things about how people are using PyTest. You know, I taught PyTest and used PyTest for a long time. But I, I saw a lot of, uh, oh, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't realize that. So I, I think being willing to have an interaction and show that you want to have an interaction rather than just pushing, 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 um, saying, hey, let's, let's chat about this or, or let's share about this has, has been successful as well. Yeah. Like you were mentioning at the beginning, one of the things with my network was now I'm looking at my analytics. I can totally see which one it is. Uh, somebody asked, "Hey Brian, what's the best way to distribute private virtual? What's the best way to distribute private internal packages?" Yeah. So I just shared that, and a lot of people responded. So yeah, yeah. And and when I was looking through that, those responses, I'm like, "Oh, there's some packages in here I didn't know about, or some features of like GitLab I didn't know that GitLab could serve as a private internal repository." Yep, that's totally one of my side projects is to figure that out. Yeah, now because we use GitLab and I've never, I didn't know that. So, yeah. 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 So, um, some other advice um, is uh, 
media does work, or at least I found that it works. And I found that what my audience likes is some, some of them like to see my desk. My desk is a little bit weird. I mean, I have a weird keyboard and um, multiple monitors and my teleprompter, but also people like to see books, right? And, and so, uh, you know, being published with O'Reilly, I occasionally get like, oh, they'll send me a copy or translation of my book. And so some some other popular threads have been, oh, here's here's a, a bunch of my books right in different languages or uh, some other stuff that I'll do is, you know, when I'm teaching a class, one of the things that I do for some of my classes is that I, uh, like I said, I invested quite a bit in my my virtual training setup. And so I, I, I've got a computer that I can write on. Well, I'm, it has a digitizer on it. So I can, I can, so I have my slides, but I'll annotate my slides. And so I'll like draw little pictures about, you know, here, here's the code, but here's sort of what's going on behind the scenes. Here's the Python objects that are being created. Here's the local namespace, the global namespace. Here's how these dunder things work mm. and whatnot. And so uh, I'll take like slides that are an heavily annotated from my courses and then share those. Uh, and it, it looks like uh, there's there's good interaction there and people like that. So, uh, you know, to to the courses that said, you know, vertical space is important. I, I don't I don't necessarily my my take is not that vertical text space is important. But if you have an image that's relevant to your audience, I think that can uh, be very useful for boosting a tweet. Oh, wow. I just found one of your, uh, your uh, annotated uh, slides. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I guess that, that's another thing, too, is um, we said, look at, look at what the tweets that people see when they look at your profile. But one of the buttons people have is media. So mm -hmm. it's important to look at that, too. Um, I yeah. Because if can I... Be a lot of people will will just a lot of people will just put in a bunch of like uh, animated gifs, and I don't do that. But I mean, you you look through some people's media, and it's like it's just replies with gifs. Yeah, yeah, it's just replies with gifs, like the dog burning and everything's okay, or some get cat or something like that. So <laughs> I don't think that should be included in the media section, <laughs> to be honest. If it's just a gif, but or gif, but if somebody's taking a picture of their own cat all the time, then yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, cool. Well, thanks uh, a bunch. I'm actually looking forward to learning more about because I, I, I do care about uh, follower count, but mostly I care about reaching people and helping people. So mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm going to take a look at some of this stuff with my own account. So thanks. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, uh, we'll talk to you next time. And good luck with everything. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Pleasure talking to you. Take care. Thanks, Matt, for that fun interview and for your efforts with teaching and training. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Join them at testandcode.com support. Thank you, PyCharm, for sponsoring the show. Check them out at testandcode.com PyCharm. Those links are in the show notes at testandcode.com 159. Oh, and one more thing. There's a link in the show notes for Matt's course that includes coupon code testencode already in the link and gives you half off the course. Thanks, Matt. And again, those show notes are at testencode.com 159. 
That's all for now. Now go out and analyze some Twitter data.